Dumelang Hai Mzanzi, Nolutando here, and I am the head of news at Health for Mzanzi, the brand new baby sister publication of Food for Mzanzi. Now, Health for Mzanzi is not just a regular publication about disease and illness. At Health for Mzanzi, we unpack the complex but cohesive relationship between health and food. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister, Sinesi Potom. Hey, Lulz, and to our listeners, it is always a pleasure to welcome you back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Health for Mzansi, where you don't ever have to suffer in silence again with those medical shames. Has this style to suffer in silence, Bafetu and Bafetuets? We are your sisters in shame, and every week we will hold your hand as we unpack those ever so embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. This podcast is a safe space and a judgment-free zone. So if you have trouble with ingrown toenails or smelly farts, no problem. You have turned into the right podcast. Last week, it was Facebook, Insta, and WhatsApp that were down. And now this week, Bonang broke Twitter. Her piping hot tea about her agency had the feeds in a chokehold. This week was definitely a mess, Luz. And I think as we approach the festive season, things tend to get busy. But let's set aside the Bonang and the CSAT aside, because we have a friend in crisis, Luz. Now, as our listeners know, on every episode, we listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp or email message received from a health form Zanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to. Who is our friend in crisis this week, Sine? This week, we have a write-in via email from Twani. Anonza writes, Hey sisters, I've been experiencing night sweats for a few months. It is so bad that some nights I would even wake up worried that I had urinated in my sleep because my sheets were so wet. Changing my pajamas and the bed sheets once or twice a night was doing nothing for my husband's mood and energy levels or our relationship with each other. I also found that I had been much more tired than usual. The extreme fatigue was like the tiredness I experienced when I was pregnant. I am 45. A few weeks ago, I had my first hot flush. My daughter asked me what was wrong, as I looked so hot and sweaty. She then asked me why I had been so short-tempered with all the family this whole time, and asked if I was due for a period soon. Then it hit me. I had not had a period in several months. I am in my 40s and didn't know that perimenopausal symptoms can affect you like this. I have so many questions. I am embarrassed too, and should have known better. Why don't they warn you about all these stages you have to go through as a woman? First PMS and now we must worry about menopause? No man, I can't. (laughs) They call menopause the final stage of a woman's life. But maybe there is a bright side. I think it was Kim Cathral who said menopause was the start of the next fabulous life of a woman. I do have a bit of a gag for you this week. The silver lining is that our Anonza doesn't have to stand on this podium by herself. Hers is a shared experience. And this week, Dr. Natalia Novikova, 
helped us unpack menopause. Dr. Novikova is a gynecologist and endoscopic surgeon practicing in both Cape Town and Johannesburg. She also specializes in pelvic floor surgery, minimally invasive surgery, and aesthetic gynecology. She also answered some frequently asked questions about the big change. Why do women go through the menopause, actually? Do we age and get older and die? So same thing. But the reason why menopause occurs is because our ovaries stop producing estrogen and progesterone. Why does that happen? Well, it's part of a normal process of aging. We are born with lots of eggs, millions of eggs. We take till puberty to mature our eggs and start having regular periods. And as we go through our reproductive years, which is from anywhere from puberty, like age 11 to 13, until till about average age of menopause is 51. We experience menstrual cycles. So women are very cyclical in nature. Every month we have menstrual period. And it's not only the bleeding that we see that happens. Before that bleeding occurs, there's lots of hormonal changes that happen in our body in a cyclical manner. And before our period, progesterone levels increase gradually in the second half of the cycle, so is estrogen. And just before the menstrual period, those levels drop. And that causes menstruation. This process is regulated by special glands in our brain that stimulate ovarian function. And as hormonal levels change, brain stimulates the ovaries to increase production of estrogen and progesterone. At certain time of our lives, as I said, on average 51 years of age, we reach the stage where ovaries no longer respond to this brain stimulation of producing eggs, releasing the eggs and producing estrogen and progesterone in quantities that necessary to create the cycle. And we get into menopause. Before the menopause starts, which is one year without menstrual period, we go through transition period which is different in duration for different women. And that transition period characterized quite often by hot flushes, mood swings, night sweats, which occur because of big spikes in estrogen levels. So estrogen goes up and then because there isn't really enough ovarian function, it drops down and we experience hot flushes and night sweats and mood swings and a few other things. That's basically how the menopause process occurs. Now, when someone has night sweats, as the question was asked, what can they do? Well, we start with simple lifestyle measures. And as obvious as they are, we've got to think about them because now it's new body and we have to kind of get used to it and work out what works for our new body in transition to the menopausal years. Sleeping in a cold room is helpful making sure that either your windows are open or you've got aircon on and having temperature lower is very helpful. Using a very thin cover, so not your thick duvet, just a sheet, might be all you need because if you're not hot, you're going to be not sweaty. And sure, this is all hormonal reasons, but we can do a number of lifestyle changes that will sort out our problems. Simple measures, cold room, thin cover, no warm pajamas, stay away from heaters. Quite often, changing what you drink at night might help. 
if you drink red wine or whatever alcohol, it's actually going to make night sweats worse. So avoiding drinks in the evening, late at night, alcoholic drinks is very helpful. Quite often spicy food also leads to night sweats. So it's another measure that you can do, but just not eating spicy food in the evening at dinner. If you love it, have it early during the day. The most important part is working out what your body reacts to. So for some people, they can eat spicy food and drink wine and they will get into menopause and won't notice that it happened. They wouldn't have one single hot flush or night sweat. Other women, 10 years before they get to menopause, start experiencing night sweats and they will be very sensitive to all kinds of things like that I've just mentioned. If the measures I have described are not helpful, we would then consider medications. Before getting into medication, we can always start with natural remedies. However, we know that hormonal replacement is more effective and the most effective in treating hot flushes and night sweats. And that would be some type of estrogen and using estrogen transdermally, so in a patch or a cream form, is the safest way of delivering estrogen to our bodies. It's not dangerous if women use hormonal treatment for the first five years of menopause, it will not increase their rates of breast cancer or cardiovascular disease, and it will have a good protective role for the prevention of bone loss or osteoporosis. Another note that we received is, is it feels like I can't orgasm as easily anymore. You know, what can I do about this? Because I know a lot of women have a lot of trouble sexually as well when they go through menopause. That's correct. And there will be multiple reasons for it. Part of it is just, once again, part of normal process of aging. And it's important to find out the cause of what's happening. So we would always start by exploring lifestyle, relationship, attitude to sex. If someone has no time for sex, it would be very difficult to improve their symptoms. If the relationship are not great, if there is any type of medical issues in a woman or a partner, that interfere with their sexual function, that will also be quite a difficult problem for sustaining their sexual function as it used to be. Let's presume that this particular woman has great loving relationship and she's super excited about her partner and we'll presume that her desire or libido is absolutely normal. She's got no particular medical problems. She's got no vaginal dryness. The partner is healthy and his erection is fine. He's got no premature ejaculation. And they used to have a good sexual life. And now suddenly in the last couple of months or a year, she's struggling to feel the orgasm as she used to a few years ago. And it's not related to childbirth or a new baby or other factors that we can find after exploring all of that in her life. In such cases, we would, we could do a treatment called an orgasm shot or PRP injection, where we take blood from a woman and spin it in a special centrifuge and separate growth factors that are injected into the vaginal skin and clitoris. Those growth factors will rejuvenate the area that we use them in and it works for about 80% of women very well for enhancement of their sexual function and sexual pleasure and orgasm. If woman has decreased desire, for example, and that 
can also end up in taking time in reaching orgasm or it's a combination disorder of decreased desire and arousal and experiencing orgasm. Then we will check the hormonal levels because it's likely that her testosterone levels are low. That also happens as we age. And it can also happen at a younger age. If they're really stressed, our testosterone decreases. There could be other reasons. So we always explore the possible reasons. Testosterone supplementation would be necessary in such cases. We will also explore levels of other hormones such as estrogen, progesterone, and DHEs and treat women holistically. So make sure that we answer all her needs. Some women develop vaginal dryness due to low estrogen level because they don't feel as lubricated as they used to. They will then have issues with experiencing orgasm. And we have many treatments for this problem, starting with simple treatments such as vaginal moisturizers with hyaluronic acid to estrogen treatment vaginally, which really every woman in menopause should really take continuously until they die if they want to have sexual life. And that helps with keeping our vaginal skin healthy. Two other things that we can do, PRP injection helps with vaginal dryness and rejuvenating vaginal skin. We have various energy devices such as vaginal laser, radiofrequency that also works quite well for rejuvenation of vaginal skin and sorting out the vaginal atrophy or thinning of vaginal skin or so-called in medical terms GSM or genitourinary syndrome of menopause. So it's important to look for a cause of problem and uh, treat women holistically with all kinds of measures that we have and let women make a choice about what treatment she feels she would like to start with and proceed with and continue or move on to. I love the whole holistic approach to women's healthcare needs. The letter says, I sometimes leak urine or can't make it to the bathroom in time. Is this something I have to live with? So many women develop urinary incontinence in their life, younger or older. And as we age, more and more women are incontinent. And if you look at residents of nursing homes, majority of them have urinary incontinence. No, you don't need to live with it. There is lots of treatments that we have. And the treatment that would suit particular women would once again depend on many factors. Sometimes we can work out that a woman gained weight and her intra-abdominal pressure has increased because of that and she started leaking urine, or she's been put onto blood pressure medications that make her cough, and that has now caused stress urinary incontinence or leaking urine when she coughs or sneezes. In other cases, women develop vaginal dryness and atrophy, and there is lots of irritation in her vagina, and that leads to urgency or this feeling that she needs to run to the bathroom all the time and developing urgency or urgent continence. In other cases, women just drink too many cups of coffee or rooibos tea. And if they cut down their amounts, their incontinence sorts itself out. It's also important to understand what women drink, what they eat, how much they drink, and what the relationship is with the incontinence and their other lifestyle factors. We start treatment of incontinence by also excluding bladder infection, which women generally are very prone to, and even more so as we age. So it's important to make sure that there isn't one at the time, and sometimes just treating with a simple dose of antibiotics, bladder infection will sort out incontinence. 
age and stress and mixed incontinence, we always start treating by advising on pelvic floor exercises or Kegel exercises that each woman should do several times a day. And most of us don't, and we can't really adhere to it, even me. And, you know, I also have three kids and I work full time and I know all about Kegels. But if you ask me when I did one last time, probably when I was talking to my patient and trying to remember how you do it. I certainly, I don't adhere to this <laughs> at all. Uh, Though I do uh, exercise every single day. How do you uh, do the Kegels again? You kind of squeeze your vagina <laughs> uh, muscles and count till three. So you till eight and you do it number of times over a particular number of minutes and you repeat it three times a day. The best time actually to do Kegel exercises, at least initially with a physiotherapist, with a pelvic floor physiotherapist, because they can give you is feedback on how well you are doing it and teach you to do it correctly. And that's the best way to start with Kegel exercises. In my practice, we have a lazy chair, this miracle chair that you just sit on for 28 minutes. And in 28 minutes, you experience 14,000 pelvic floor contractions. So it's thousands of pelvic floor contractions in 28 minutes that you can't achieve yourself. Those contractions are very strong. This chair is called Mzella chair. It works through electromagnetic, highly focused energy that stimulates nerves in the pelvis that then stimulate contraction of pelvic muscles. One course of treatment is six sessions, two to three times a week. So for me, this is a very nice way of doing pelvic floor exercises. I just sit on Mzella six times, once a year, and it works beautifully for stress incontinence, urge incontinence, of course. Pelvic floor exercises will be effective only in women who have mild incontinence. If your incontinence is severe, it's very difficult to fix it just with the pelvic floor exercises. And in those cases, for urgent incontinence, we have tablets that we prescribe to stop blood contractions that leads to urgency. And for stress urinary incontinence, there is surgery, bulking agents, but it's basically surgical procedures more so than anything. There is other treatments for urgent continence if uh, like our standard medications don't work. We even inject Botox into the bladder wall to stop bladder contraction. So there's interesting advanced treatments. And none of them are simple, like Botox sounds great, but unfortunately it only lasts for four months and it's quite pricey. So it's a tricky treatment. So it's very important to look after your pelvic floor through your life and keep a healthy lifestyle, good drinking habits, train your bladder avoid infections, we before and after sex, etc. So all the routine hygienic measures to keep as healthy as possible. It's much easier to do prevention than the treatment. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. And it's also comforting to hear that it's not something that I have to live with. Like there are solutions to this. And again, thank you for pointing out that prevention is better than cure. Because a lot of the times we try to cure something when we could have prevented it. And I think a lot of women will learn from know from what you from the information you've just given us right now correct and then the big one is the mood swings with the menopause you know i know my mother's going through menopause and a lot of the times like she'll be almost not erratic but like her mood will be just like out of the blue and it will catch you off guard so what's with the mood swings in menopause yeah it's actually quite a difficult one for women it's not just menopause because lots of women suffer from premenstrual syndrome and have terrible mood swings. And I think that might be, for those women, it's actually easier when menopause comes because at least they know what they're dealing with. For women who never had PMS, now 
transition into menopause comes and they're like ready to kill everyone around them. They have no idea how to cope with this because this is completely new to them. And we go back to lifestyle. So your routines are very important, regular exercise and healthy eating and potentially supplements will be helpful. So multivitamins, but you would need, one would need to see a nutritionist and a doctor to help you with what is actually useful. Mindfulness, practicing mindfulness and distressing techniques is very helpful. And also understanding your body and being aware of one's reactions and how you feel, like just generally awareness will help to cope with mood swings. Of course, um, all of this is not easy to achieve, but very important. And it's basically our baseline of the treatments. And then we get to medications that we can use. And we can start with the simple herbal things like primrose oil. There is a number of things available on the market. None of them are going to be as effective as actual hormones. That is a problem here. So if we can't find a solution which is non-hormonal and lifestyle orientated, then we would proceed to hormonal replacement like an estrogen, progesterone supplementation which will be in the same dose every day and will keep women stable. Antidepressants are also used for mood swings and quite helpful in menopausal women. So it's something that one just explores and works out what is suitable for a particular woman, for her lifestyle, for her desire. And we always look into the other medical history to make sure we choose medication that is the best for a particular person. It's not always that we are able to find a solution with the first go. It's quite often that we need to change uh, depending on woman's response to something else or look for another route of treatment. So sometimes it's error and trial because we all have different bodies and we respond differently to different measurements. And whatever works beautifully for one person may not work at all for another person. Here's another one. I know that the result of my weight gain is obviously not eating healthy or not following proper exercise, but this one says I'm gaining weight even though I'm exercising and my eating habits have not, have not changed. Why is that? So women have changed in their hormonal levels three times in their lives. One is puberty, one is having children, and one is getting into menopause. And all of those will be like you have a new body that you have to work out how to deal with because you feel different. Whatever worked before is no longer working. Our metabolic rate changes as we age. It decreases, no doubts. We lose muscle and hence we gain weight with doing the exact same thing that we used to do and worked for us before. There is no other solution here but decreasing calories and increasing physical activity. You know, one of them was a lecture, I think, but also menopause, has once said, what if you eat twice less? and exercise twice more, what would happen? Can you try it for a week and see what happens? This is a very difficult thing to try, but that might just help women to understand their bodies. It's not a quick fix. We have to find solutions that are going to work long-term for the rest of the life. And those solutions will change with age. Whatever works in our 20s will not work in our 30s, will definitely not work in our 40s and not in 50s or 60s. Each of those interventions or solutions would depend on a particular person. So we would assess, the woman has to find what she likes eating, what she likes doing in terms of physical activity, and create a plan that will work for her forever and ever and ever. 
diets don't work because as soon as you stop them, you'll start gaining weight again. Physical exercise is very important for women. Any physical activity is great. However, it's very important to strengthen our muscles and to build muscles as we get older because that will increase our metabolism and it will help our bone health and it also helps the mood swings. So physical activity and fun physical activity is important. I love how also, again, like you stress the prevention better than cure. Rather do it earlier, (laughs) sooner rather than later. I guess weight is very difficult. Losing weight is very difficult, so it's much easier not to gain. Hence, it's very important to be very much aware. You know, I have one of my old patients came to me last week and she said, look, I've gained 12 kilos in three months. And it sounds excessive, but it's really easy to do because it's just a kilo per week. I mean, you can gain a kilo in two days. Once you see it, you've got to act on it because losing 12 kilos is much harder than losing two kilos. So awareness, awareness, awareness. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Dr. Natalia Novikova. Remember to check out the detailed article on menopause on healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. Or send us an SOS to 076-132-0454. We will never blue tick you, Baba. Shem, I feel like every episode of Sisters Without Shame is a journey. Also, are these experts going to have me wanting to do introspection weekly? I am really learning a lot. What's the take-home message for you, Sine? I am once more reminded that prevention is better than cure. You are literally the architect of your own destiny. I am spiraling though. After all this urinary incontinence, I just quiver at the thought of losing control of my bladder. These are difficult conversations we are having. The severity of the urinary incontinence ranges from occasionally leaking urine when you cough or sneeze to having an urge to urinate that's so sudden and strong you don't get to the toilet in time. Though it may occur more often as people get older, urinary incontinence is not an inevitable consequence of aging. If urinary incontinence affects your daily activities, don't hesitate to see your doctor. Listen to your body. Yeah, when we talk about grip game, sometimes it can be a good thing. Do your kegels, ladies. They save you a world of trouble in the long run. That brings us to the end of episode 11 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health from Zanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani. And me, Sinesipa Tom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.